Hello. Hello, everyone. Um, hope you had a great Thanksgiving and shopping day. Uh, yes, I am not Daniel. My name is Lily, if you're not. If, uh, yes, if you're not, um, if you have a friend, hello. <laughs> I'm usually not the one who preaches, so please bear with me. Um, okay, so today I wanted to go through John uh, chapter 9. So we can all flip to that and then stand and we can pray. God, we come before you today and we just want to honor you and worship you, God, in our hearts. And yeah, I just pray, Lord, that your spirit of conviction would fall upon us today, God, and that you would really speak to us all the words that you want to speak and um, and move us in the direction that is closer to you and closer, um, that our relationship would really be right and um, right in your eyes, God, not our own. And we just, yeah, so we just pray um, that you would bring your power and your conviction through your Holy Spirit today, God. We lift this, we lift this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, okay, so, yeah, I'll just read the passage. We're starting in verse 13. Um, so, well, so this is, there's a man who was born blind, um, and then Jesus healed him miraculously. Um, and so now they're bringing him in front of the Pharisees, or he went in front of um, leaders and was like, hi, I'm, I'm healed. Um, and he was all excited and he was in front of the Pharisees. And so, uh, so starting in verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But now, or but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anybody should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, uh, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and, asked to, and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. 
If this man were not from God, he couldn't do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Um, yeah, there's a little blurb afterwards about blindness, but we can get to that later. So this passage, um, this testimony of this man who was born blind, and yet the Pharisees, the supposed leaders of the church of the day, cast him out because he did not, um, his testimony, the way that he got healed, did not align with what they know and what they already believed in, and the ways that they, um, the ways that they thought, the ways that they lived. And this is, um, I think this, this passage, I don't know, have you ever like watched it, rewatched any TV shows, or maybe watched for the first time even, and there's like, there's always like this character or this scene where someone's like super annoying and like really immature and just like, you know, you just want to shake them and be like, stop it, this, this man does not like you, get the point already and stop bothering him, like, you know, and just like get out of here. This is kind of like what the Pharisees are doing. Like this man who was born blind and healed told them like five times, like, you know, four or five times at least, I was born blind, I am now healed, and this man Jesus healed me. And yet, they're just so like stuck in their self-righteousness and stuck in their own way of thinking and their, um, the habits and the ways that they grew up, maybe teachings that they had before that... Um, they're just so stuck in it that they can't accept that this actually happened. Um, and this is self-righteousness, and this is something that, um, I don't know, I so relate to the Pharisees in this story, because I think we all have the tendency or capacity, and we're so good at like, just like mm, taking one aspect of God, taking one verse, one passage, or some similar verses, and then making that our whole perspective on life, and our whole, like, way to live, our whole um, framework in how we operate. And, and that leads us to spiritual blindness that Jesus talks about here. Um, and it was their own self-right, the Pharisees' own self-righteousness that they kicked out a new believer of, um, and a real testimony out just because it didn't align with their ideas of what's right and wrong, what's righteous, what's unrighteous. Um, and that's just so wrong because only God determines what is right and wrong. And so, um, yeah, earlier, um, yeah, earlier uh, in, uh, earlier Jesus was talking to the Jews in chapter eight. Um, we could just go a little bit before that. Um, so in chapter eight, verse 42, Jesus said to the Jews, um, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. 
this really um, aligns with uh, the Pharisees' attitude um, later on uh, in the chapter that we just read earlier. Um, and verse 43 like really hits me, just like, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Like, it's possible that we're so stuck in darkness, and Jesus like literally says, you are, your father's the devil, you're doing the devil's desires, and we know that the devil steal, kills, and destroys, which is exactly what was happening um, with the man who was healed of blindness. Like, the Pharisees were so in that darkness that they caused division in the church. Um, they, they, I mean, maybe they didn't snuff out the joy of the man who was healed, but snuffed out joy of other believers, probably. Like, you know, people who really thought like, oh yeah, this man was healed. That's such a testimony. That is great. And then like the Pharisees came, I was like, no, this man's a sinner. Um, and just completely snuffed out the joy and the life that that testimony brought. And it's because like, we can be so stuck in lies and in um, the ways of the devil that we, really, that we think is true, um, but then it causes us to just not be able to hear real, word, uh, real truth, um, hear Jesus' word. Yeah. Um, This, uh, I, I have a, I don't know, I'm like, I was telling Sydney last night, it's hard, like this passage really convicts me because being self-righteous, um, it causes us to be so blind to so many things and like, I'm, it's, it's hard to express like just how much, um, like how, how convicting this passage is really, just like, that, that the Pharisees, um, they have so much knowledge. They know all the rules. They know what has worked in the past. And they have stuck through it for generations and generations. And they believed so deeply, like, this is right. This is how you get to God. This is how you get to be close to God. This is how you love God. This is how you do the will of God. And I, like, I mean, you know, their desire for power aside, the desire to actually follow God is so, for some of them, I really believe that it was real. Like the desire to really seek, find God and um, see God is real. And I think we all have that too. Like we want to see God and we want to have relationship with God. We want to do it in a real true way. Um, and so, and, and then, but then there are certain um, maybe aspects of Jesus, aspects or like verses that we might um, have learned when we were young, when we were first believers or just, you know, in life. And then we're so able to just take that and then be like, okay, now this is all there is to life. Like, oh, Jesus um, had, we read like, oh, Jesus had mercy on this person. And then now this is all we do. We just, <laughs> this is like, you know, mercy, forgive everything. Just, you know, like, like, don't do anything else. This is all we do. We just show mercy. We just like, and this is, and that's it. And then we completely ignore other aspects of God and ways that he might want to change us even over time in life. 
um, because we're so stuck in that one way of thinking that we really thought, and, and it probably really did, you know, is probably really real that it convicted us in the moment and it probably was what we needed in the season, but then taking it, um, taking that and only that aspect for the rest of our lives completely makes us just completely miss out on things that um, God might want to, new things that God might want to reveal and new ways that um, God wants to show us in terms of how he works and um, what he thinks. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's why this passage really hits me because I think I just see like how uh, like a lot of, even at the end, um, at the end of John chapter 9, where um, it says some of the Pharisees, uh, verse 40, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt, but now you say, we see your guilt remains. This is, like, if the Pharisees' attitudes were actually right, like, I think some of the things that they say is actually... Like, great, are we also blind? That's such a great question. If like they actually wanted to hear the answer to that question, that could have like set them free in, in, a, lot of, um, in a lot of the self-righteousness and blindness that they had. Um, yeah, but, but the, it's the attitude of like, I know I'm right and I am not going to allow any new thing um, to enter and like, you know, maybe take over the season of my life and, um, and uh, any new thing to change me in the season of my life. It's that attitude that prevents them from actually seeking um, or, and finding answers that they're asking and good questions that they would ask if they were actually like, had the right attitude um, and had the humility. Yeah, so... Um, Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think everybody already knows that um, how detrimental self-righteousness is, and I don't, probably don't need to, like, keep going. But this is, um, yeah, it's just something that's been on my heart recently, that um, it's, I think, like, mentally, it's, it's, for us, this church specifically, like we talk about it a lot, so it may be easy in our mind to just think like, yeah, of course, don't be self-righteous. And of course, like don't, you know, autom automatically assume that um, you're doing well. And, um, but to actually get to that place, I think is really hard. And um, yeah, so I think I just, like want to take um, that I think we should all just like in our moments where we think we're really strong, where we think we're really serving, um, where we think we're like, oh, I'm you know really loving someone today, <laughs> or like oh I gave to this homeless person today, but then in reality, like in our minds, we're thinking, oh I'm going to do this so that later I can tell someone about it, and that's the kind of attitude that. Um, even though it could be subtle and even though the action itself could be so right, our attitude is totally wrong. Or like, you know, something happens in your life and you're like, oh, this would be a great thing to pray about in group prayer. This is like something we should all know. <laughs> and um, that attitude of like, 
like it's it can be so um, true. Like the things that we experience really do move us, and it's really um, and it it really could be um, of God. But then we're so capable of taking that and then being like, okay, now that I have this, it makes me better somehow than other people, and. Um, yeah, and that's like that's the really dangerous attitude that I think was demonstrated here in the Pharisees and the Jews. Um, yeah, so uh, with self righteousness, I think um, it's so it's it's hard to get rid of because it's like it's like one of those things where um, you might not even recognize it yourself. Like it, it's like a piece of food stuck in your teeth or something. You don't notice it, but then everybody else around you can see the fruit of it. And so it's a question of like, how to do, um, yeah, how do we grow together as uh, as a church to overcome that? And I think it's just telling people like, hey, you have lettuce stuck in your teeth um, and not let them walk around thinking they're so awesome when they're actually like the, that annoying character in a in a television series that can't get the point. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so I, I just, I think it's been on my heart to just, like, uh, really get rid of self-righteousness, and, um, I think when, um, a few things that, um, I think are, have been helpful, um, even, even last week, uh, what Daniel shared with the Pharisees and the tax collector in the temple, um, praying to God, and one saying, "Oh, I'm so good. I do all these things. Um, I I'm good in front of you, God. Like I have um, my relationship with you is good." And the tax collector just feeding his breast and saying, "No, I, oh, I'm a sinner and can't even lift his head. Can't even enter the temple, um, r- recognizing that he's a sinner." Um, I think from the Pharisees' perspective, like. Yeah, of course, like he might think that he's all that because compared to the tax collector or, and we have this attitude too, like compared to, you know, compared to a murderer, I don't murder, compared, you know, I don't steal. Um, And it's the way that we compare to other people that our standards get adjusted to not be aligned with Jesus' standards anymore because Jesus says, if you have hatred, it's the same thing as murder. And Jesus says, um, yeah, if you covet, it's the same thing as stealing. And so um, I think one thing is just like, don't compare um, yourself to others. Uh, that just leads to, yeah, it just leads to an un, um, uh, an unbalanced view or just a not right view of yourself. And because when we stand before God, it's not gonna be, God, I'm better than this person. It's going to be, this is what I did. Like, outside of anybody else, any um, any excuses, any comparison, it'll just be us and God, and have we, have we done what Jesus has commanded us to do personally? And have we, um, have we been right before God? And, um, yeah, another example, um, in Rick Joyner's Final Quest, uh, I think one of, the, one of the people that Rick met 
that um, I think stood out to me the most was uh, a homeless person. I forget his name, but he um, um, he had when he was well on earth he was a homeless person, but in this vision, like he was on the throne, sitting with the kings, and all glorious and like so magnificent. And I think like more glorious than Solomon could have even been. Um, and Rick asked God, like, "Who is this person? And um, like, why is he? Why does he get to sit on this throne?" And Jesus told him, um, told him his story. Uh, well, actually, I think, okay, I might have missed the order, but um, Jesus was uh, telling him about, so there are these two men. One is, um, you know, a good Christian. He serves Jesus. He gives to the poor. He um, genuinely, actually genuinely loves people. Um, and then there's this homeless man. He, uh, and a small kitten, like, wandered in his path and he was so angry and he was about to kick it but then he restrained himself uh, to not kick it and just like you know kind of shove the kitten of the, out of the way but not to not hurt the kitten and so the question that God asked Rick was who who do you think I was more pleased with um, and Rick and I think well I think right now we would all think the homeless man because we know the answer but I think in reality we probably would think um, the the person who seemed to really serve God and um, seemed to give his all um, to love people around him. But God was actually more pleased with this homeless man because he was... Um, and then Rick asked him, like, uh, why? Um, because from the outside, it seems like all he did was not kick a kitten. Like, that's so easy. You just don't kick the kitten. That's so easy. Like, what's so amazing about that? Um, but, but then God told him the story, his backstory that he was born deaf, um, which also means he can't speak. And he was, um, I think, caught by authorities and then thrown in jail and then came back out and became homeless. And so he was an angry man. Um, but in, the, in that moment, he took every bit of self-control mustered up every bit of self-control to not let that anger out. And that is why um, God was pleased with him because he, because the person who, um, who really served God, he was born in Christian household, went to church, he um, you know, went, uh, I think like had good education, he had a lot and he only gave, I, I don't remember the number, but you know, like not 100% of what he had versus this homeless man. He was only given three measures of God's love and he used every bit of God's love to muster that self-control for the kitten. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think Rick's vision was like necessarily about what I'm talking about, but I think it's still, um, it's still like relevant because we're, I think we're, most of us are more in the position of the first man who, had a good education, um, you know, a Christian it wants to serve and is serving. And, but the reality is God sees beyond um, just what we do. He sees how much, what percentage of the love that was allotted to us are we actually using. And if we compare ourselves to that kind of standard, like we are so far off from the righteousness that... Um, Jesus wants to be 
it wants us to be at. So yeah, point, uh, I guess point is like comparing ourselves to others. It'll either put us way too high at way too high of a place. Most of the time, okay, for us, I think most of the time it'll put us at way too high of a place, and we'll think like there are so many. Um, yeah, we have all these ways that we serve. Um, but if we put ourselves to Jesus' standard, where his standard is that he was doing God's will 100% of the time, that's the standard, not, not just you know, giving 30% of our time to serving and the rest... Um, and the rest of the time for our own desires. <clears throat> but his standard is 100% of the time, 100% of our um, efforts, 100% of our thoughts, 100% of our will should be to him. Um, and so, th- and that kind of leads into a second, my second suggestion um, is to is to do the will of God, which uh, Jesus also says um, earlier in chapter nine, or sorry, not, uh, or chapter eight, um, that if, if God were your father, you would love me for, um, oh, sorry, you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires. And that is what, um, what made the Pharisees so warped in, uh, in their thoughts, um, in their in their desires, is that they were so stuck in doing the in in the lies of the devil and doing the will of the devil that they didn't even recognize they were doing that, um, and they really thought like you know they were after something right. So, um, but the opposite, uh, we should be coming against it to do the opposite and really do. Th- do the will of God because, um, and I think it, it's like, and, and then I think the question then becomes like, how do we know it's the will of God? Which I think is a, is also a common um, question um, that we all ask. Honest, like I don't know the 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 uh, suggestion that I've always received, and I think really does work, is just to do do it, <laughs> and. Um, but do it with not with the attitude of like this is right and um, and like anything else is wrong and that is why I'm doing this way because this is the only right way. That's not the right attitude. Like we should still like yeah we still need to be humble about like if we're doing something because it's God's will for us, then then it should have some fruit. Um, and so not only doing um, what we hear from God and doing what we think God is asking us to do, but then being humble enough to then ask, okay, so I did this. What was the fruit of this? Was it actually leading love, joy, and peace, and um, patience, kindness? Like, was it, did it actually um, have that fruit, or did it only kill and destroy and... Um, and we have to be really honest with ourselves when we when we are practicing like uh, practicing to do God's will, like to really um, to really be uh, to really tr- like try to see what what the outcome of what we've done is, and um, 
yeah, because so doing that, I think, will help us um, to be more willing to accept that we were wrong when we heard, when we thought we heard from God, um, when we see the fruit, or if someone else tells us about the fruit, then we could actually say, okay, I thought I heard from God, I guess that wasn't God. And, um, and just doing that over and over. Uh, one, it, doesn't, it, it prevents us from being hypocrites and you know, only puffing up in knowledge and theories about what's right and wrong, but actually practicing it and, and then seeing for ourselves the fruit of, um, of whether or not that was right um, and whether or not that was actually of God. Um, yeah, so, uh, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's all that I wanted to share. And this is, um, I hope it was, um, I hope it really leads us to um, a deeper humility and, and desire to, to get ourselves unstuck in any ways that we think we have been doing so well and we have been so right. Um, before God and to get out of any blindness and to get out of any stubbornness um, that causes us to hear God's word but then but then we can't actually bear to hear it um, because it's just so against our own um, our own the the lies that we believed in That's all I wanted to share. <laughs> um, yes, Daniel, would you like to share anything? <laughs> okay, then <laughs> Sydney. Mm, I think um, I think if it's okay, I want to just take some time to. Um, come before God and really ask God to reveal any blind spots like and it could be even things that if there's anything that people have told you about multiple times and you've just been stuck in thinking that's not me I don't have that issue to reconsider and right now just like um think about, like really ask God to first like really admit um, I am a sinner and if someone who cares about me and someone who is also following God says something about me, I need to take that seriously and and admit that I'm wrong, 
and um, and ask God to reveal all the ways that I've just been stuck in this area. Um, and especially pride. Like, that is one of the things that blinds us the most, I think. And so let's just take some time to um, just ask God to reveal any weaknesses, any blind spots, sins that um, we don't, we haven't been made aware um, We've just been too stubborn to admit. Um, and just think about, um, yeah, if it's hard to think about, uh, you know, things that you might um, allow the Holy Spirit to really, like, reveal things and and he'll bring up, you know, it, whether it be um, just the attitudes that we've had towards people, towards... Um, an aspect of God or something that we've done or um, something that other people have said to us. Yeah, don't just brush it off.